On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we take a look back at 2018, we look ahead at 2019, and we're joined by Alberta's Baseball Newsmaker of the Year, Mike Soroka. that time of year where we get to sit down and wax nostalgic about the year that's been and we'll talk about the year coming up as well welcome to alberta dugout stories the podcast i am joe mcfarland joined on the phone this time around by our very own ian wilson ian how's it going over there going great thanks for having me on again it's nice to be back uh i, I miss uh, the the basement studio that is uh, so well stocked uh in your neck of the woods but i don't miss the commute there so that's fair it's almost like driving to sylvan lake right Exactly. <laughs> we will have you back down before too long, and maybe we'll do a, a remote episode one day, and I'll figure out how to make that work before too long. So let's get down to it. It is New Year, so it is about that time where we can kind of look back on 2018. And what sticks out to you as maybe the biggest memory that you take away from the last year of covering baseball stories here in Alberta? There were really so many fantastic stories throughout the year, but the one that uh, really sticks out in my mind and, and comes to the surface and, and probably does for most Alberta baseball fans was uh, watching Mike Soroka make his Major League Baseball debut against uh, Noah Syndergaard, of all, all people, and picking up the win that night. And just everything about that day just seemed so magical from the, the point that you, the buzz we kind of got before we, it was officially announced that he was, he was getting the call that day and then seeing pictures of him signing his contract and, uh, it, you know, and then seeing his family in the ballpark and his friends and just everyone who had made the mad dash out there to go see him pitch in New York. And um, yeah, for him to not just, you know, make an appearance and, and start the game, but also to win the game and, you know, only give up one earned run and, and just the way the game unfolded. And he, before he even took the mound, he was at the plate because mm-hmm. the, the Braves gave him a nice uh, cushy lead to work with. And uh, yeah, and watching him step in, uh, you know, I, I don't think his swing will be confused for Ken Griffey Jr.'s anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, give the guy credit for, for stepping in against what uh, Thor has to offer and, and, putting the, the bat to the ball, you know, and, and yeah, just, it was just such a great uh, day and great thing to watch uh, from 2018. I would uh, definitely agree with you. I think he is, if we were to have our own newsmaker of the year or baseball player of the year or baseball story of the year, perhaps, I think the Mike Stroka story is a great one. And this is where foreshadowing comes in, is coming up in, in a few minutes. We will have a sit-down chat with the one and only Mike Soroka, the Atlanta Braves ace, as he prepares for uh, pitchers and catchers who are going to be uh reporting in the not too distant future. I can't believe baseball season's already getting closer. I can't wait. I know it's around the corner. It's fun. It's uh, it's always funny. I was watching on Twitter over the last few days and right after Christmas, it was like, you know what Christmas means? We're that much closer to baseball season. And I couldn't (laughs) agree more. And MLB has been stepping up uh, its game on Twitter in particular. And and they have a, have had a great run of can't wait for baseball. Can't wait for baseball and some great pictures to go along with. Uh, We've had some great 
stories as well outside of the major league sphere. Let's start with Eric Sabrowski because I think this story uh, really uh, rejuvenated, I think, the the storylines, but also rejuvenated the crowd in the northern part of the province because a lot of people were really excited about what this kid had to offer. Yeah, and uh, I mean, from a personal standpoint, uh, Eric was one of the first interviews that I... Uh, that I did uh, certainly one of the first interviews in person that I did with Alberta dugout stories. And uh, so I, you know, I think back to that uh, day that I met him at uh, Seaman stadium and had a good chat with him and uh, just a really nice, uh, really nice guy, really personable and, and also not afraid to, to tell you what he's thinking. And, and so to get to meet him and, and watch him pitch that night uh, and, and to see what he did uh to the uh, you know the poor Kansas Jayhawk uh, conference down there that <laughs> had mm-hmm. to deal with him, his numbers were just insane. In you know in 66 innings of work, he struck out 117 batters. He had a 3.14 ERA, and he you know he had that one game where he had 18 Ks in seven innings of work and a shutout. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and you know. Yeah, oh, it was ridiculous. And then he followed that up uh, a few weeks later with like a 14-strikeout effort and a 13-strikeout effort. And uh, so that's one angle of, of his game. And then you look at what he did at the plate. And, you know, in, in 172 at-bats, he hit 11 homers and drove in 58 <laughs> RBI. And he was just a dual threat. And he just thrashed that conference. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the exact awards that he got, but he was, you know, he was picking up conference awards and player of the year awards left and right. And that of course led to his, uh, his being drafted in the, in the 14th round by the San Diego Padres. And just, just really happy for him and his, his family is, you know, played with the Edmonton prospects in, the, in summer ball, of course. And then uh, was a prospect Academy guy and a St. Albert uh, alum and uh, just, just really happy for him. And uh, of course, you know, you, you had chatted with him recently about uh, Tommy John surgery, so mm-hmm. he's got some, some obstacles to overcome, but just a fantastic story this year. You just like him because he's a diehard Oilers fan. Well, you know what? <laughs> I will say this. He's, I've got the luxury of being old enough that I lived through the glory years, and I've got that to fall back on. Yeah. Anybody who's, a, who's in their 20s, and doesn't you know doesn't really have those memories to sustain them. I give them full marks for sticking with you. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's uh, some loyalty there. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, a lot of great stories that we had out of the Western now the Western Canadian Baseball League, but then the Western Major Baseball League as well. A big thank you first off to all of the teams who opened up uh, their phone lines and opened up their gates as well to allow us to go through and see a few of the parks this year. We're going to hope to try to get to. All of them over the course of this next year, we're already in the planning stage, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in the program. But what I want to talk about is, were there any memories or any stories that stick out to you from the WMBL season of 2018 that really shone a light on the quality of talent coming through this province? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a couple. I thought the whole season uh, by the by the Medicine Mavericks was, was just, you know, something to behold. They, uh, you know, they put on a clinic, you know, they lost, they actually lost their first two games of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they went on to, to post a 38 and nine regular season record. And as we've seen with, with, you know, Okotoks had a good year. They went 35 and 12 and they've, Okotoks has put together, you know, solid regular seasons, but it doesn't always translate in the playoffs. And uh, so you're wondering with Medicine Hat, are they, are they going to be able to, 
to turn it into a championship. And, uh, you know, they had some, some bumps in the road on the way to, to winning the title this year. But that team was just, um, you know, studs all around, like uh, around the horn and infield, outfield, pitching, you, you name it, they had it. It was quite incredible to also watch, uh, and you wrote a story on this as well, Rich Walker had himself an outing to remember uh, for the Edmonton prospects. Yeah, and I, you know what? He had a, he had a perfect game on June 29th, and I was kind of looking at that, looking back at that story. And I love I love all that goes into a perfect game because you get the moments within the game, and you also get with Rich. He just he was so it could have easily ended up in Okotoks because he's he was pitching at uh, Mesa Community College where Dave Robb, Okotoks mm-hmm. Dogs coach, uh, works, and um, easily could have could have gone to the dogs, but the dogs had kind of filled out their roster. He ends up going to Edmonton. Uh, he starts the season in the, in the bullpen and then he makes a few starts. He does, you know, he has an okay uh, year and then he has that, that perfect game. And, and before the game, he predicted he would pitch eight uh, scoreless innings. He hadn't pitched six innings like all year. So, you know, kind of the, the brass, uh, <laughs> the brass tax on him to, to make that prediction. And the prospects were, they had lost six games in a row. They needed a win. So it wasn't just that one moment, it, just where that moment fit into the season. And, um, you know, it's just, just great to see. And then, of course, you get, you know, the third inning of that game, he's got a, uh, a full count against Fort Max uh, uh, DH and that, that ends up in a strikeout, like as a 10-pitch kind of marathon at bat and then seventh inning there's like a line drive that uh Zane Takar snags at second base so all those little moments that go into a perfect game and anyone who watches the game knows it's not just a pitcher having good stuff that day it's the defense behind him and just it's so hard to to do it at at, at any level let alone WNBL so I just thrilled for him to, to see that yeah, it was such a great year of baseball, and I feel like we're a little lucky on that front and being able to uh, be, I mean, we're a year and a half-ish, I guess, a little, almost two years now into Alberta Dugout Stories, and I feel like we got in at the right time in a sense because there's just so much positivity brewing within the sport here in our province. And I mean, even the the Canadian Baseball Network's latest rankings of 2019 draft-eligible guys Five out of the top 14 happen to be from this province, including the leader, Cesar Valero, out of yeah. Dogs Academy. I mean, this is going to be another big year in 2019 for baseball. And when I look back on 2018, one of the things that uh, struck me was we were able to not only focus in on the guys playing, but also the ladies were doing a, a pretty good job of uh, keeping their names in it. And you had five gals from this province uh representing Canada at the World Baseball or the Women's Baseball World Cup uh earlier on in the summer you had Nicole Lachansky and her story and obviously her uh retirement this month this last month you had Kelsey Lawler having uh, the catch uh, of the yep. tournament there and being an all an all world player at that tournament so a lot of great things happening in this province and not only did we get to focus on just this year and the present 
but we also got to focus on some of the stories of the past. We had some great, uh, great features over the course of the year on guys, you know, just as as great as uh, Scott Richmond. I know we talked to earlier Ooh. on in the year uh, about his worldly endeavors head, heading to Italy, and then we hear just in the last couple of uh, days or a couple of weeks here is he's going to go play in Australia because, well, why not? seems like, or New Zealand. So he's, uh, the, the world travelers are definitely upon us. The other thing, and this uh, goes into one of the things that we posted just over the, uh, over the New Year break here, is the number one story on albertadugoutstories.com had nothing to do with the player, had nothing to do with the team, but actually had to do with a city. And Edmonton in particular, and this was way back in, I think it was February, a little birdie told you during uh, the prospects uh, banquet and fundraiser that there were some plans in place around that historic field in downtown Edmonton. That was our number one hit story this year. Congratulations, Ian, on writing it. Um, but walk us through what we've learned since then about what the plan is for the Rivers District. Yeah, so the, the ballpark looks safe now. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember when, uh, when owner Pat Cassidy kind of announced at that banquet that, um, you know, hey, like this is, there are being plans developed for this area not all of them include a ballpark and so you know there there's a bit of saber rattling going on there he's got his interest he's trying to protect and by no means is there a suggestion that uh, you know remax field was was going to shut down and it was imminent or anything like that but it's a good reminder that especially you know to people in calgary that uh, you know how precious those ballparks are and how hard it can be to to keep them open you know, you, you've got uh, <clears throat> not all developers want to see baseball in that prime real estate area. So, uh, but having said that, uh, as the, the process unfolded, the, the ballpark looks safe for, for now. And, uh, and that's good to see. It's uh, not only a good product that's being put on by the prospects there and drawing over 2,000 fans uh, per game. Uh, they've, they've, there's a lot of history there. Uh, that uh, in that ballpark and nearby there <clears throat> of baseball in Alberta, it dates back uh, you know close to 100 years. So uh, it's good to see that remain intact and and hopefully grow. Um, we, I've you know we've heard some rumblings about other forms of baseball maybe inhabiting that that ballpark or other uses for the ballpark, and uh, hopefully we can we can see that happen and but also see baseball have a have a home uh, in that River Valley in Edmonton because it's uh, it's a beautiful place to go watch a game and uh, uh, you know it's, particularly fans up there will know that the the Canada Day game when you when you get a lot of people in that ballpark you get seven thousand people there it's a, it's a little more special it's a little more raucous and a little more fun and and one of the other WNBL memories we had there this year was of course uh the the dogs coach Mitch Schmidt uh, going on his <laughs> chair tossing rampage which was uh which was fun to see and it's just kind of a reminder of the crazy things that you can see at the ballpark on any given uh night at uh, you know down at the field so it's uh, hopefully it, it has a, a safe home there for a while 
Yeah, I think you're probably safe in the assumption that it'll be there for at least a little while, given the fact that I see Edmonton is joining the fold with the Canadian uh, College Baseball Conference as well. They're they're putting a team together for this coming season. If I think it's this season. Uh, we'll be chatting with Kevin Kvami about that over the course of the next few weeks uh, as we preview what's to come. And speaking of previewing what's to come, we will talk about 2019 in just a little while, but we want to focus our attention now on an interview we did with Mike Soroka, the newsmaker of the year here at Alberta Dugout Stories. This is Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. Mike, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. Yeah, of course, Joe. Thanks again for having me. When you look back on 2018, it was a wild ride for you, but walk us through that moment when you get the call up and be told you're going to be starting with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, it was pretty surreal. I mean, I actually had a couple of days to kind of think about it because it was a possibility um, based on kind of who was who was hurt at the time and then a couple of things that were rolling out. So I skipped a start in AAA and they kind of told me to, you're either going to gonna go up and, and fill in or maybe not. So I kind of had a couple of days to think about it before I got the call. And when I did, it was, uh, it was a huge relief and finally being able to make that call back home to my dad and and let them know that I was going up was pretty uh, pretty special. It's a moment I'll never forget. Were you how how does that all play out in your mind? I guess in a sense, because as a twenty year old, it's not like you're expecting it that soon, that early. Were you expecting that to happen this season, or was that something that you was always sort of in the back of your mind? Oh no! I mean, obviously, you go in with expectations, and uh, you don't you don't quite put a timeline on it, but no, it was goal number one to pitch in the big leagues this year. Um, you'd be lying if you said you weren't thinking about that. Right. So I think uh, just having that at the front of my mind, really it's being able to calm down and make a start every five days in AAA is, is what was most important. I thought I did that extremely well. So um, I'm uh, yeah, very grateful to have a lot of people around me that have been there before too. And, and kind of, be able to talk about it and make sure that I, I kind of stay calm and be able to, like I said, go out there and compete. You walk into the into the locker room, you get to see your spot, you're handling the situation, and then you realize it's Noah Syndergaard that you're going up against. What goes through your mind at that point? Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny, actually, because I was uh, um, thinking about the chances that I'll get to hit before I uh, pitch, and lo and behold, there I am running up to the uh, – to the plate in the top of the first inning and uh kind of was able to get my jitters out there with the uh um with the at bat because i mean you, you get up there and boom he's coming at you with i think it was 98 99 and did my best to to put the bat on the ball and uh like i said when i when i went back up there for the bottom of the first it kind of felt like a rollover inning and all my uh all the pent-up adrenaline was kind of gone a little bit so that was pretty cool too where do you get your calmness from? It's one thing that everybody I talk to says he, he's wise beyond his years, but he's also super calm for being a 20-year-old. Um, I think mostly my dad, obviously. Uh, just, I mean, being raised by him primarily after uh, after my mom passed away when I was, 10, I guess, 11 years old. And, I mean... He was always calm. He handled things extremely well. And him being my role model, I think I took after that the most. But um, being with Chris Reitzma as well, uh, kind of seeing that calm demeanor that he carries uh, every day, 
uh, it's pretty, uh, it kind of rubs off on you, I guess. And that's something I have to take pride in and make sure that I keep getting better at it because although it may look like it, I think there are times when I could do a little better job of actually being calm. So that's another thing too. Mm-hmm. What is, what th- talk us through the, the Calgary connection and being from Calgary and being the first to uh, start in an MLB game in quite some time for first time for a Calgarian. Uh, what does it mean to you to, to have that beside your name? Um, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty special when you think about it. You think about growing up in little league here and, uh, all the people that you've kind of come through and all the people that are still supporting you. I kind of have started to see a little, uh, some people come up to me, say they're paying attention to Atlanta again. Um, you know, that's pretty special to have that connection here. And, um, it kind of feels like a, it's a tight knit community in, in Canadian baseball, but here in Calgary too. So that's, uh, that's pretty special as well. Talk a little bit about Chris Reitzman and what he's meant to your development. Oh, I mean, he's been just tremendous. Uh, I, mean, I guess I started seeing him when I was about 10, 10 or 11 and just at kind of his camps, and he was the, he was the guy to look up to. And um, You know, I've been blessed with a lot of really good pitching coaches. You know, like I said, Jim Lawson, him, uh, Jordy Alexander, did a lot, of, a lot of things with him as well, and, and he's been involved in Calgary baseball for a long time now. And um it's just to be able to see guys like that do it before you kind of puts it in your head that it's possible and it's not this unattainable goal, you know, and I think just being able to look at them and know that they've done it and be able to pick their brains with it as well. It it goes so far. And speaking of Jordy and and I know you had a bunch of those guys down for your uh, first game there. What was it like having them and knowing that they were going to be there? Um, you know, I, I had Chris down at the uh, at the debut, and now that was pretty special that he got to come, especially because of uh, you know he was working with the Orioles as well. So, um, you know, having those guys be able to support you and know that you what you went through with them for so many years and, and how kind of far you've come, but it, it it's been so quick. Um, so I got to make sure that uh, I come back and and give them all the support that they need here as well, and I think that's. That's what I want to be. I want to. I want to be a be able to be a leader in the community as they've been to me uh, one day as well. And talk a little bit about that connection that you have with the city. Uh, you're you're back for a little bit here before obviously spring training is is right around the corner. It feels like. But what is your plan in terms of being able to to come back and and what does it mean to you to be able to to come back and give back in in that kind of way? That's amazing. Uh, you know, I get the fortunate. Um, opportunity to be able to do it through the Canadian Sport Institute as well, because uh, you know when you're down with the team, the team always got things going on and and uh, charity work that you can do through um, your organization. But when you're home, it it can be a little more dry, and it's it's a lot easier to kind of brush it off and say, you know, I'm busy. It's my off season, but I think that it's important for me to be able to get out there and um, support Calgary baseball, not just not just Calgary and just be able to, to to show kids the same thing that those mentors showed me when I was young. Um, you know, it goes a long way, and, and sometimes you don't really realize it, but I think that that clicked with me over the last couple of years and, and how much impact I can have on the on youth in Calgary today.
That's been one of the cool parts in, in talking to different people through dugout stories and especially the, the kids that are doing the grind through the college ranks, that kind of thing, is they've all said that looking at you get, makes them believe that they have an opportunity to make it to the big leagues or to further their career that way. What does it mean to you to to have that thought of you uh, amongst the baseball community here? It's amazing. I mean, you get... You get through uh, that on your own uh, with a lot of the, like I said, the people that were there before me. And, um, like I just mentioned too, you don't you don't really realize the impact that you have uh, on the youth until you kind of put yourself in their shoes. Um, because being from here and, and kind of having a humble beginning, uh, you don't really realize how far it's how far it's come. But um, just to be able to role model and just to be able to show the kids that, yeah, I mean. If you love it and you play the game the right way and and you work hard, you never know where you can take it, whether that's college or, um, you know, any type of professional baseball. It, it's it's extremely possible and it, it happens all the time. So no reason it can't happen to uh, uh, any kids in Calgary. When obviously a lot of people are going to be listening going, okay, what's, what's next for Mike here? And obviously a lot of things uh, at the end of the season there with the injury that how has the, the progress went on that front and how, uh, how, uh, how much are you looking forward to 2019? Oh, a lot. I mean, especially with the injury last year and, and looking forward to uh, getting to Florida early and, and just being able to kind of set myself up for the season that I want to have and, um, they, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that are, that are able to, um, support me this off season and, and kind of catapult me into this coming year. Um, it's, uh, extremely important and, uh, just look forward to trying to represent the best that I can again next year. When you look at some of the names that are being brought in, I saw Josh Donaldson's name being brought into Atlanta as well. How stoked are you at the the potential of joining what looks to be a lethal lineup that were an already lethal lineup that's been adding some big names? Oh, it's tremendous. I mean, just to see that Alex can uh, make some moves here and and make the team uh, just that much better. Um, It's pretty incredible. I mean, see guys like Josh Donaldson, former MVP, and um, you'll you'll see that come up again, I think, because I think he's going to have a big year for us and hopefully be crucial in coming back to uh, getting back to the playoffs again next year and really looking forward to being a part of that. Looking forward to seeing what's in store for you as well. I know a lot of people are watching with excitement and hoping to see you maybe an opening day uh, starter perhaps down the line here before too long. Mike, a pleasure to chat with you and all the best in 2019. Okay, thank you so much, Joe, for having me. It's always a pleasure. So now that we have 2018 in the rearview mirror, it's time to take a look ahead to 2019. And we kind of launched things a little sooner, maybe. or It was actually later than we hoped with the podcast itself. But at the same time, it sets us up really well heading into 2019. And in your mind, Ian, what might be the biggest thing or the biggest to do uh, item on your list for 2019? Well, early in the year, I'm really curious to see if uh, Edgar Martinez, former Calgary Cannon great and uh, one of the best designated his- hitters in the history of baseball, makes it into the Hall of Fame this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find that out in uh, late uh, January. And um, yeah, obviously, we're 
we're rooting for him. We want to see it happen. And if he does make it, it'd be the first Calgary Cannon to make uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And um, this is his final year of eligibility. So if it doesn't happen, it, it doesn't happen. And, well, I shouldn't say that. There's committees later that can mm-hmm. can do what they did with Harold Baines. And I think... Harold Baines, uh, being a DH that was selected by that committee, actually helps Edgar's uh, odds and chances. So I'll be watching for that. Omar Vizquel, another canon, great, uh, is also on that ballot. I don't think he'll be making it this time around, but I, I do think he'll get enough votes to stay on the ballot, and we'll see what happens there. That's always a fun kind of time of year and a year of kind of reflecting on baseball and, and uh, you know looking at some of the, the great players that uh, have played the game. Yeah, one of the things that I'm looking forward to as well is that, but also the base, uh, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame will have its induction nomin- uh, induction announcement in the coming weeks as well. We know Lloyd Mosby, former Medicine Hat Blue Jay, was inducted last year, had a great story about his time in Med Hat that we shared, and we'll, I'll have to share some of that audio in a future episode of because uh, some of the stuff that we had from last year uh, before we launch the podcast, I still have some of the audio for, so we'll break those out in the vault uh, in the not-too-distant future. We'll also be rolling out a few more Academy profiles in the next few weeks here on the podcast and also on albertadugoutstories.com. We'll also be priming up for what is going to be a busy year, whether it's the Western Canadian Baseball League, we've got the Power Line, the Sunburst, we've got all kinds of baseball seasons that are going to be starting up. And one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, Ian, I think is the I, the ability of us to, with this podcast, is maybe spotlight a few more things that maybe we can't get to for the website. So maybe we might have a Power Line or a Sunburst uh, interview here and there along the way. And the other thing that I'm, I, I've been conjuring up, and it's not quite done yet, but it's being worked on, is a look back on the Pioneer League days and what brought the Pioneer League to Alberta with the Medhap Blue Jays and Lethbridge Expos and the Calgary Cardinals and all these different teams that came through. And so we'll be diving into that a little bit as we get closer and closer to opening day. Uh, when it comes to 2019... And when you look ahead to maybe uh, some of the sponsorships, that kind of thing, is there anything on your to-do list on that front, anything that you want to expand upon on our website maybe? Mm, good. Well, I, I do. One thing we've talked about internally is adding a search feature to the website, which mm-hmm. uh, I would love to, to do for our own <laughs> for our own <laughs> use. But also I think that'd be helpful now that we've now that we've written enough stories that uh, it gets a little harder to, to find them on the, on the website, I think that'd be a feature that, uh, you know, would be nice to add. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> on the sponsorship front, uh, I think it's about time we added a, a, a beer sponsor to our stable, you know, if you get a, get a brewer in our, in our midst, it's, uh, the two kind of go hand in hand. And I think we're overdue for that. Uh, how about you? I think you're due for a standing ovation. Good, sir. <laughs> well played. I like, I like where you're going with that. Cause that is, uh, that was first on my priority list. And one of the things that I, you and I were talking just before we started the, we hit the record button for this podcast is I've been sampling a lot of the Alberta brews lately, Christmas time and all that. And there are some delightful 
delightful beers in this province, whether it's from Medicine Hat, Edmonton, Camrose, Calgary, Oak. I had one from Oak Tokes. Uh, had one from Lethbridge the other day as well. So there's some there's some great brews to be had. And if any of them want to be a sponsor, by all means, you can head to albertadugoutstories.com. We've got all the info there. Uh, we do want to thank, over the last year, we've had, uh, obviously, the addition of five New sponsors, Oak Tokes Dogs, Dogs Academy, Absolute Human Performance. We have the Western Canadian Baseball League and Sparrow Outfitters who helped us out with the uh, with a couple of the items for that online silent auction that Ian put up as well. want to thank Samba as well, the Southern uh, St. Albert Minor Baseball Association for being a partner. So if you want to learn more about that, like I said, just head on over to albertadugoutstories.com. Uh, that is going to do it for this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, as we looked back on 2018, give you a little bit of a snapshot there, and we look ahead to 2019. So really looking forward to seeing what kinds of stories Ian can conjure up, and now I've got to uh, try to beat him on who can have the most uh, viewed web story yet so it's a challenge and challenge accepted my friend uh ian thanks for joining us on the phone this time we'll have you down in the basement before too long thank you very much happy new year to all of our followers and thanks everyone who's uh listening and reading along with us we really appreciate it and on a personal level it's just been a lot of fun uh doing the work that we do i hope we're doing it for years and years couldn't agree more again thank you all so much for supporting alberta dugout stories this has been another edition of alberta dugout stories the podcast